A proposal to issue cash handouts from last year's tax surplus passed the third reading at the legislature on Tuesday. The premier said the next step will be to send the proposal's budget for review, and if things go smoothly, money could be dispersed in March at the soonest. An economist says the cash handouts will boost economic growth. A proposal on the spending of the 380 billion NT 2022 tax surplus passed a third reading at the legislature Tuesday. The proposal calls for the surplus to be distributed as 6,000 NT cash handouts to the public, subsidies for Thai power and the national health care system, and for monthly metro passes as well as other economic measures. Premier Chen Jianren, who was in southern Taiwan for the day, was delighted at the news of the proposal being passed. Oh, it passed? That's wonderful. That's worthy of applause. We will definitely send the budget to the legislature on Thursday for review. The next step will hinge upon consensus with the opposition KMT. If things go smoothly, handouts could be dispersed as soon as the end of March. Eligible individuals will have three options for receiving the handouts. One option will be registration through a government website using an NHI card. The money is then transferred to the bank account specified during registration. A second option allows withdrawal of the funds from an ATM at one of 12 major financial institutions. This option is available at 24,000 ATMs nationwide, which is roughly 80% of all ATMs in the country. The third option is to receive the funds directly from a service counter at Zhonghua Post. However, when asked to comment on when funds will be dispersed, National Development Council Minister Gong Mingxin had no specific response. We've been doing all the preparatory administrative work, and now we are just hoping that the budget will pass as easily as the proposal itself did. If this 140 billion NT in handouts turns into consumer spending of that amount, or double that, it will be a boon for economic growth. The researcher said that economic growth will rely on domestic demand this year, which will likely be boosted by the cash handouts. The executive yuan is expected to come to a decision on Thursday about a proposal for three different kinds of travel passes proposed by the transport ministry. One of the proposals expands on an extent travel pass in Taipei and New Taipei, extending its scope to Taoyuan and Jilong, and adding more means of transportation, such as TRA trains. The other two proposals are for urban areas in central and southern Taiwan, with monthly passes costing 1,000 NT. In Taipei and New Taipei, commuters can take the MRT, buses and U-bikes as many times as they like, with a monthly travel pass costing 1,280 NT. Three new travel pass proposals from the Transport Ministry could be approved this Thursday, with a cheaper 1,200 NT travel pass that covers Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong and Taoyuan, and two other passes for central and southern Taiwan. It's quite attractive. I often go to Jilong. It'd be cheaper and more convenient. The proposals are as follows. The pass for Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong and Taoyuan is similar to the monthly travel pass currently in use in Taipei and New Taipei. It will be AT&T cheaper and expand to cover Jilong and Taoyuan, as well as coach buses and TRA trains. The other two travel passes cover Taichung, Zhanghua and Nanto, and Tainan, Kaohsiung and Pingdong. They'll be usable on all public transport, including MRT systems, buses, light rail, public bikes and TRA trains. The price is expected to be 1,000 NT. 
It's quite interesting. Firstly, it's ADNT cheaper, and also you can use it to go to more places. You have more travel options. I can't ride a scooter, but I have to commute a lot. If it's cheaper and it also includes trains, then it's worth the price. Residents in northern Taiwan are pleased with the proposal. Not so much in Taichung, where city buses are free, or in Zhanghua and Nanto, where there is no MRT. Over in the south, people say they tend to simply ride a scooter or drive a car to get around, and so the plan isn't especially attractive. There is a lot of interest in the past for Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong, and Taoyuan, but we are concerned that if there isn't a thorough analysis on demand, it may not convince that many people to stop driving, limiting its effectiveness. Or perhaps we have to analyze problems regarding the plan's sustainability after the first three years pass. The transport ministry is requesting a budget of 20 billion NT over three years to subsidize transport service providers. Though the policy is hoped to make life easier for commuters, a question mark remains over how it will actually be received. The past year has seen a growing number of congressional delegations from the U.S., the latest having just met with President Tsai Ing-wen on Tuesday. During the meeting, Democratic Representative Ro Khanna spoke about shared values, trade ties with Silicon Valley, and cybersecurity. Tsai said Taiwan aims to deepen ties and military exchanges with like-minded partners, including the U.S. President Tsai Ing-wen on Tuesday received a delegation led by U.S. Democratic Representative Ro Khanna. Tsai expressed her thanks to the delegation for its support of Taiwan. On behalf of the people and government of Taiwan, I'd like to thank all of the U.S. congressional representatives who have taken concrete actions to support Taiwan through their visit here today. We believe that Taiwan and the U.S. can seek more opportunities for cooperation, together defending our shared values of freedom and democracy. We are here to affirm the shared values between the United States and Taiwan, a commitment to democracy, a commitment to freedom. Kana, along with Republican Representative Tony Gonzalez, who also joined the delegation, are members of the Congressional Taiwan Caucus and have long focused on Taiwan security. Together with Democratic Representative Mikey Sherrill, the group will push the proposed U.S.-Taiwan Advanced Research Partnership Act, which aims to strengthen national security and cybersecurity in the two nations. Faced with the challenges of the post-pandemic era, Taiwan and the U.S. can leverage each other's strengths to build a more resilient technology sector. Also, on the topic of security, Taiwan continues to strengthen military exchanges with the U.S. In the future, we will be more active in our cooperation with the U.S. and other like-minded partners to meet the challenges of expanding authoritarianism and climate change. We come here to strengthen the economic relationship, uh, representing Silicon Valley, I particularly appreciated the meeting with Dr. Morris Chang, uh, how we can continue to build the economic partnership on technology and also, of course, the partnership uh, on military and defense. Amid numerous congressional delegations, trade talks and U.S. bills on exchanges with Taiwan, the Taiwan-U.S. relationship appears set to become even stronger in the year ahead. Though COVID is winding down in Taiwan, the seasonal flu is staging a comeback. According to the CDC, last week Taiwan reported eight flu patients with severe symptoms, four of whom died from the disease. Let's hear from the CDC. Today, we're reporting on four deaths of patients with severe symptoms of the seasonal flu. Their ages ranged from the 30s to the 80s. 
The youngest case was a man in his 30s residing in northern Taiwan. He had a history of chronic diabetes. He was infected in late January. At the beginning, he had just a fever and a cough. But three days later, he developed rapid and shallow breathing and a high fever. After being admitted to the hospital, he had severe pneumonia in both lungs and developed a bacterial infection while in the hospital. We'd like to remind people with chronic illnesses, especially people with conditions that are difficult to manage, to get vaccinated against a seasonal flu. The four patients that had died had all been infected by the influenza A virus subtype H3N2. The CDC says people at higher risk of severe symptoms, such as people with chronic illnesses and older adults, should get their flu shots as soon as possible. Doctors in Hualien are celebrating the astonishing recovery of a cardiac arrest patient who had been unconscious for two months. Mr. Huang collapsed while running a marathon in Hualien last October. When he arrived at Hualien Ciji Hospital, he wasn't breathing. But over several months of treatment, he made an incredible recovery. He was welcomed back to the hospital last week to give thanks for his second chance. Mr. Huang makes a heart sign. He's back at Hualien Ciji Hospital to thank the doctors who saved his life. When he was brought to the hospital in October, his heart had stopped and he wasn't breathing. He was unconscious for more than 60 days. I was unconscious for the first 60 days or more. When I heard that, I thought I should probably give up. It's because of the perseverance of the medical team and my family that I was able to come through. Mr. Huang was running at the Pacific Valley Marathon in Hualien last October when he suddenly collapsed at a rest station. When he reached the hospital, he had no vital signs. Emergency care brought him back to life, but he had internal bleeding in many organs. He was put on ECLS, a type of life support, three times and received seven different types of antibiotics. The medical team tried countless different treatments. At one point, the attending physician turned to God in prayer. We had reached the limits of medicine. Only a miracle could get the patient through at that point. The emergency team had gone on too long, so all his membranes were damaged. He had bleeding in his intestines. We transfused almost 200 bags of blood. Dr. Jun never gave up, even in the most difficult moments. I'm so grateful. The head of Mr. Huang's team said the hardest period was the 90 minutes between him collapsing and receiving emergency treatment. Keeping a patient's brain functioning under those conditions is a delicate task. One false step and the patient may never wake up. At one time, we were second to last nationally in terms of our success rates for reviving patients who had an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Now, after many years, with the hard work of Superintendent Wang, we are number two in the country. Mr. Huang received 103 days of care from the hospital, from the darkest moments through to his unlikely recovery. He says that, thanks to the medical team, he now has high hopes of coming back to Hualien one day to run a marathon. Lawmakers from across party lines on Tuesday were joined by Uyghur human rights activist Rushan Abbas. Together, they spoke up against China's abuses against the Uyghurs, a minority ethnic group in northwest China. Abbas shared reports of the brutal treatment that Uyghurs have suffered under Beijing authorities. She warned that if Taiwan should ever be annexed by China, a similar future could await the Taiwanese. Rushan Abbas in green starts with lawmakers from across party lines. The activist has for many years advocated for the Uyghur people in China, exposing China's atrocities against the ethnic group. When I quit my full-time job and became 
full-time activist, they sentenced her in 20 years on the terrorism-related charges. She's not a terrorist. Abbas spoke on her sister's detention by Chinese authorities and listed out reports of atrocities committed by China to oppress Uyghurs. Among them are sending almost one million children to orphanages to separate them from their parents. Women are forced into marriages with Han Chinese families, and those who refuse are sent to concentration camps. While the men in a Uyghur family are in concentration camps, Chinese surveillance personnel force their way into their household and rape the women. She said such a future could come to Taiwan if China annexes the country. She quoted China's ambassador to France, who said in an interview that Beijing would impose re-education on the island after unification. Dictatorship will not allow people to live in freedom. Instead, they want to put them into the concentration camps to re-educate. And that's the future that they have for Taiwan in their dreams. In order to stay in power, the Chinese government uses all sorts of means to impose control on the population. Those means include bodily harm and illegal surveillance. It is heartbreaking. From the Uyghur detention camps to extradition laws in Hong Kong, the lawmakers decried China's human rights abuses. Taipei and Taichung on Tuesday held award ceremonies for search and rescue personnel that were dispatched to Turkey after the devastating earthquake earlier this month. One of the rescuers said the mission had a high level of difficulty due to the different climate of Turkey as well as language barrier. The rescue dog unit also had good news to share as one of the dogs that was sent to Turkey, Hugo, recently passed an important international accreditation test. Let's hear from the rescuers. The mountain roads and the low temperatures, the roads were covered in ice. We were led from one disaster site to the next by locals. By the time we had gone to the fifth or sixth spot, we were more than three kilometers away from our base. In the end, we had to just walk back by ourselves. It was also the first time that I went to a disaster zone like that, and I really hoped my dog would find survivors as quickly as possible. It was quite discouraging at the beginning. The first and second days were very stressful. I had doubts over whether the dog had received sufficient training. Over in Taizong, two other rescue dogs, Tui Tui and Melody, were received by Mayor Lu Shouyin. The two had a fantastic performance in Turkey, putting all their training to the test in the disaster zone. Together with their handlers, they helped out looking for survivors trapped in the rubble. The two returned to Taiwan on the 15th, both in good health. Now to the question of Taiwan's most common road name. Can you guess what it is? There are 316 roads in Taiwan named Zhongzhen Road after the former President Jiang Kai-shek. Zhongzhen is one, just one of several names the former Generalissimo used in his lifetime and many Taiwanese institutions bear the name. But now, a petition to remove his name from the streets is gathering momentum in Tainan. Campaigners say that Chiang Kai-shek's legacy of authoritarian rule should not be celebrated. But lots of people who live on Zhongzhen roads don't want to change their addresses. There's a Zhongzheng Road in West Central District and a Zhongzheng Road in Yongkang District. In fact, across Tainan's 37 districts, there are 38 roads which share the name. Only GPS can save visitors from the confusion. 
，很多中山路。不会啊，因为现在都用 GPS 啊。对，反正现在地图导航都很方便。But what GPS can't resolve is the historical and political controversy over the name. The director of Xiongbuan Xing Memorial Hall, Shang Yufang, has launched a petition calling for all the Zhongzheng roads in Taiwan to be renamed. In Germany, they don't have any Hitler roads, but Zhongzheng Road is the longest road in Taiwan. And in any case, our country has enacted a transitional justice law. In 2022, Tainan city government made plans to rename the first 100 metres of the Zhongzheng Road, on which the National Museum of Taiwan Literature sits. It was to be christened Tangde Jung Boulevard after the Tainan lawyer and 228 incident victim, but some local residents objected to the proposal. It's a lot of hassle. Of course it is. We'd have to change our labels, a lot of our promotional materials. I don't think it's worth the hassle. Zhongzheng Road reads nicely. I've lived here for more than 70 years. It's not right to change it. This is a question of right and wrong. We should get rid of this mistake. The stance of the city government is that we're strongly aligned and we want to support residents in conducting this survey. The administrative process of renaming the road can only be carried out with consent from two-thirds of the local households. The campaign to remove Zhongzheng Road is hoping to draw on widespread public support for their petition. But Tainan City points out that renaming roads is a privilege of district officers. The residents of the road in question must opt in. This is not a campaign that politicians can easily push through. Some of our viewers might remember the story of Guo Hong, a special servant agent injured in 2015. A tragic training accident left the elite military officer paralyzed from the neck down. But now Guo has learned to use a computer with an assistive device. He edits his own videos and keeps in touch with his loved ones online. Guo and his family try to stay optimistic, making the most of all the time and opportunities they have. Guo Genhong uses a joystick with his mouth to operate this computer. A former officer of the Special Service Command Centre, Guo was accidentally injured in a firearms exercise in 2015. A bullet hit a vertebra in his spine, leaving him paralysed. Special Service agents drill a face-to-face -face cross shootout. They move sideways while shooting. In the next video, the two lines of officers move in opposite directions, shooting at target papers behind their colleagues. A moment's distraction and the bullet will hit their colleague. None of them are wearing bulletproof jackets. In 2015, Guo was the commanding officer leading this exercise when the accident occurred. Guo's father finds it hard to speak as he recalls the incident. But both his father and mother say the worst times are already behind the family. In the last few years, we've adapted just fine. He knows what we want in our hearts. He wants us to lead our own lives and he guides us to get out. When there are upheavals in the wider family, he's always the one to comfort us. 
I have to use this opportunity now to say the things I want to say. Technology is always advancing. Perhaps tomorrow or next week there will be a new medical technology. But until there is a new technology, maintaining my health is the most important thing. With the help of volunteers, Guo has learned to use devices like this to access the computer. He edits videos like this one and can stay in touch with children over video calls. The family stay positive about the future with the hope that one day a medical breakthrough will allow him even more mobility again. Today we meet two families with a very unlikely connection. Calligraphy expert Liao Daqing from Ilan was delighted to make friends with another calligraphy fan of the same name from Zhanghua. After the two met, they realized that their respective granddaughter and daughter also shared the same name. That might be common in some languages, but in Taiwan, having multiple namesakes in one family is a long shot. We caught up with the Liaos to hear more. Liao Daqing of Yilan told us in a video call with Liao Daqing of Zhanghua. The two men struck up their intergenerational friendship because of a common interest. Liao from Yilan's Suao Township is a cultural historian. He sometimes posts his calligraphy on Facebook, and that's how he met the Liao Daqing of Jianghua, a cram school teacher. They developed a friendship based on calligraphy, and that's when the second coincidence came to light. He posted a photo of his daughter on Facebook and wrote the name Liao Chenxi. When I saw it, I thought he meant my granddaughter. I asked him who she was, and he said, my daughter. She has the same name as my granddaughter. I think it's so funny. It must be fate. I also know a Liao Daqing in Hualien, who was also a neighborhood chief. So I joked that we should start a society of Liao Daqings and gather all the Liao Daqings in the country. Who would have thought it? With the vast array of naming choices available in Mandarin, it's one in a million.